Well, hello and welcome back to The Daily Brew, the devotional where every single day we drink a new brew of coffee and we see what God is brewing for us in the Bible. Yes, it's cheesy, but it's true. And you join me back here in Auckland City for another day of Bible reading, day 152 to be exact. And I'm so glad to be here with you. Oh, that was beautiful. That rhymed. That was lovely. I'm a poet and I didn't even know it. I think I've used that gag before. Anyway, great to have you back here today with me as we continue on our Bible reading journey, 365 days of the year. Looking forward to getting into our scriptures today. Speaking of, let's get into it. They're in the description on every platform and they're also coming out of my mouth right now. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20 to chapter 14, verse 1. John chapter 20, verse 10 to 31. And 2 Samuel chapter 1, verse 1 to chapter 2, verse 7. So with that, you've heard, you've just heard. We're starting a new book today, 2 Samuel. We finished another book yesterday, 1 Samuel. So looking forward to getting into 2 Samuel today. It's going to be awesome. Let's talk brews, though, before we go any further into Scripture. Let's talk brews. And today we have, for the final time, the All Press, All Press Espresso Blend right here, right now. Looking forward to giving this a go and seeing how this tastes. Now, it is the last time we're having this. And I feel like I didn't really write the other day. I was just trying to remember back to the other day. What did I in the Chemex say? That was what I had the last time. Yeah, I just, it didn't stand out to me. Now, I loved yesterday's plunger. Uh, I gave it an eight, which, uh, look, I still feel like I gave too high. But let's see today if this all-press espresso as a plunger gives us a little bit more good vibes only. Let's give it a try. After burning my mouth that one time, I'm always a bit skeptical. That's lovely. That's lovely. What there is, is there's a lovely caramel malt flavor in there, which I, I, look, if you've ever had a caramel Tim Tam, this is giving me that vibe. Caramel Tim Tam vibes. I like this. All press espresso. I'm going to be honest, from the packaging, I just was like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Is this really a top brand? for coffee, but I'm gonna be honest, this is really good. I like this better than what I had yesterday. So I'm gonna give this an eight. Mm. You're probably thinking, well, but you gave that an eight. I wanna knock yesterday's one down to a 7.7. This is an eight. Don't tell me how, don't, don't come at me like, how are you doing your rating system? It's all wild and over the place. Yeah, it's how I'm feeling in the moment, okay? So that's, this is an eight, lock it off, happy days. There you are. Let's get into the Bible, the reason that we are here. One of the things that underline the book of Proverbs is a culture of respect. It's a theme that runs deep throughout the whole book. And today we see three really clear examples of this respect and what they should be directed to. The first one is respect to the Lord. The word fear is best understood as respect. For me, even when it comes to the fear of the Lord, I think just as respect, I think maybe it just doesn't quite land the sovereignty or the reverence uh, that the respect deserves. So I think adding things like divine respect or pure respect or reverent respect, maybe is a, it captures it just a little bit better. If we don't have respect for the Lord, the truth is, is that we're going to struggle to have true respect for others. The second one is respect to the wise. Now, Proverbs tells us whoever walks with the wise will grow wise. So the question we have to ask ourselves then is, well, who, who am I walking with? I was with someone recently uh, in a school and we were just doing some leadership development and I was talking to them about how, who they've surrounded themselves with and whether or not they feel like they're, they're the best people to surround themselves with. And, and, and they told me, they're like, yeah, look, I know that the people I'm hanging out with probably aren't the best for me, but they're my mates. I don't really want to let, let them go. 
And, and, and what was interesting was that for me, I was like, man, you're going to be held back because they're your mates rather than getting some also, also having some wise people you can walk with too. It's not about cutting every foolish person out of your life, but if you're spending the majority of your time with them, the truth is, is that you do become who you hang around. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, well, who could I add to my life that I could walk through life with who's wiser than me and who's happy to take me in a forward direction? Then I need to show them respect and do life with them. Thirdly, we have to res put respect towards our home. We need to make sure that our home lives are full of respect, that we respect our children and our spouse. If we're single today, we need to respect ourselves and respect the Lord within our home. The truth is, is that we need to actively foster this culture of respect. And Proverbs actually encourages us for all of the parents out there to lovingly discipline our children as part of developing that culture. I wonder what your response is today to the reality that Christ rose from the grave. What's your response to that? At the time of recording, I'm 29 years old. I've had 29 Easter's and realistically, I could probably remember 19 of those Easter's. We celebrate what God did for us on the cross. And if we're not careful, we can water down the significance and the reality of what Jesus really did for us on the cross. But we've got to be careful that we don't allow the fact that we're aware of what happens in the story, that we don't allow that familiarity with the story, I suppose, to rob us of the awe and the wonder of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Not only that, the fact that Jesus is alive today. Imagine what that would have been like to be the first person to see Jesus alive. Well, we see that Mary, she has an awesome reaction. Now, it's important to note that within the culture of the day, a woman's testimony wouldn't have been considered as legitimate as that of a man. That was the culture of the ancient Near East. Now, if the story of Jesus's resurrection was made up by John, and John was just simply spinning a yarn about the resurrection, the chances of him choosing a woman to be the very first person to see him is very slim. See, Jesus chooses not to appear first in fire and in lightning, but he chooses to appear in a close personal proximity. He chooses to do this with Mary. Now, this signifies two things for me. The first thing is that G this is who Jesus is. He's a close and personal God. He's not coming with like, da -da, I've resurrected from the grave, bow down and worship me. No, he comes in the form of personal, genuine, intimate relationship. The second thing is that God, he cares about women. Where in history, women have been looked in as lesser than, God shows here that they are, are, are not. And he does that both in the context of the ancient Near East culture. This moment would have been revolutionary for the people reading this for the first time, for the people who John's gospel was written for originally. But even for us today, as we look at this story, we see that it's not male and female. It's male and female. It's mankind together. That's who God cares about. Mary has this encounter with Jesus and her response is to call out Rabbani, which means teacher. She had this moment of realization and at this moment of realization, awe and wonder come upon her life and she releases it. She realizes who Jesus is and she releases this shout, teacher, teacher, this is who you are. It's amazing that she has this awesome personal interaction with Jesus. And the truth is, is that we all need a personal encounter with Jesus. If all we have is head knowledge about Jesus, then we're never going to be able to enter to the fullness of life that Jesus has for us. We need a personal encounter that makes us come alive in the fullness of his spirit. Before I move on from the story, I also want to touch on Thomas. Now, his nickname is Doubting Thomas. 
He was full of skepticism and doubt. It was clear unless he himself saw the nail marks and put his fingers where the nails would have been in the wounds, he would not believe. Imagine the humbling he would have had when Jesus appears to him and tells him to touch the wounds and to stop doubting and believe. I've spoken to lots of people recently who, uh, who are under the age of 21 and who are really struggling with doubt. There's a large amount of shame attached to this doubt, but I want to ask today why. If that's you, why are you, why are you struggling with shame and doubt? Listen, Jesus doesn't come to Thomas, his disciple, and shame him or guilt him. No, instead, Jesus, he comes to Thomas and he has an encounter with him. Jesus encounters Thomas. This encounter, it's set and designed to come against his doubt. I love that. This is what we're supposed to do with our doubt. It's not, it's not the doubt that's sinful. It's what we do with it that can be. If we turn our back on Jesus and reject him, turning to the word for satisfaction and for proof of life, then, then that's where doubt is bad. But when our doubts lead us to pursue God further, chasing him, making him the focus and leading us to an encounter, that's good. If we're looking to understand, we're always going to fall short. But if we're looking to encounter God, he will meet us. It might take some time, but God will always turn up and meet us at our heart. Listen, if you're struggling with doubt today, can I say this? Don't fake it till you make it. If anybody ever tells you to fake it till you make it, that is the worst advice anyone can give you. This thing's not fake, it's real. But in the testing of our doubt, we find faith come to the forefront. And that's the point. Don't fake it till you make it. Faith it until you make it. Have faith, believe in God, and believe for encounter. Okay, time for a new book, 2 Samuel. Now, the authors of 1 and 2 Samuel are actually unknown. And there are some suggestions that they may have been written by the prophets Nathan and Gad. And you can have a look at 1 Chronicles 29.29 for more on that. Now, these books were originally one book, but they were split in two by the translators of the Septuagint. Septuagint. That's a hard word to say. Septuagint. Septuagint. I practiced too. You know, you know I sat there and I practiced. Septuagint, Septuagint, in the third and second century Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament. These books are named after Samuel, not only because he's the main figure in the first part of the books, but also because he anointed the other main characters in Saul and in David. These these books cover a period of time in Israel's history from the birth of Samuel to the close of the reign of David. And 1 Samuel presents the transition from Israel's judges to the monarchy after Saul. 2 Samuel deals almost exclusively with the history of David as king and presents a vivid picture of a theocratic monarchy, these are some big words today, in which the king represents God's rule over God's people. So that's what we're going to be reading about in 2 Samuel. It's really the establishment of a monarchy where God is at the top and we flow down. Now, throughout the story of 2 Samuel, we're going to see David portray the following qualities throughout the book. So I want to see if you can find them all. It's almost like a little daily brew game we can play together, okay? So here's the things that you need to see if you can find David's character showing. Faithfulness, modesty, patience, courage, big-heartedness, trustfulness, and patience. See if you can collect them all throughout the journey throughout this whole book. That is 2 Samuel, and I'm excited to get into it over the next few days. Verse of the day. Verse of the day today, 2 Samuel 1.23. It's a little bit long, so go with me. 
It says, Saul and Jonathan, in their life they were admired, and in their death they were not parted. They were swifter than eagles, they were stronger than lions. What a wonderful example from David of how we should honour those even when they have caused us harm. I gotta be honest, this is something I gotta work on. When people have caused me harm, I'm real quick to cancel them, but I love this. Or, or not even cancel them, just cut them off. That's probably what I do, I just cut them off. But I have to, I have to work on this. I'm super convicted by David's response here. I wanna be honest, I'm gonna work on this. But I wanna ask you the question, how do you respond to those people? If you were speaking about the people who caused you harm and they passed away, would you speak this honoring of them? I would like to think that I wouldn't just speak of them honoringly, but my heart towards them would be honoring too. Well, that is it. The Daily Brew done and dusted. Thank you so much for joining me today. Day 152 of 365 days wrapped up. Thank you so much to all of you who have already followed along on the podcast platforms, followed the podcast and rated. And for those of you who have shared this on your social media or with those around you who you think would benefit from this, thank you so much for doing that. It's a massive help. And to you, yes, you, I'm pointing at you, right at you, you with your eyes on YouTube. Thank you for joining us and following along on the YouTube journey. Feel free to subscribe if you haven't done so already and click the bell so you never miss a devotional upload. That is it though for today. Thank you so much for joining me here on The Daily Brew. Looking forward to getting into tomorrow, some more Bibles, some more brews, and some more fun. Though, until tomorrow, if it's a study day, have a great rest of your day, and let's sleep time. Good night, sleep tight, and we'll see you back here for day 153 on The Daily Brew.